0: Hello everyone and welcome to one of our last episodes of Saturday Night Hive for a while because if Pete Davidson goes on hiatus, we also go on hiatus. But today we are joined by two guests. One of them you know, it's Hibba. Hello Hibba. Hi Candace. And the next one is an expert that we found all the way in Michigan. She has spent her life- researching a particular topic. And that topic is Anya Taylor-Joy. And that person is Dr. Lindsay Heiser. Hello, Lindsay.
1: Hi, Candace. Hi, Hibba. <laughs> so just, uh, just
0: in case she gets media requests after this, Lindsay is actually not a doctor who studies Anya Taylor-Joy. And I just want to like prime us up a little bit. So
1: Lindsay, what is your history with Anya Taylor-Joy? I have a history with Anya Taylor-Joy, though I think it's important to note here that prior to watching this episode of Saturday Night Live, I thought her name was pronounced Anya Taylor-Joy. Mm. So let's just keep us all humble here. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake that I had coming in. With that said, my history with Anya Taylor-Joy, pretty brief, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. The first movie I saw her in was Emma. Emma. And I was pretty excited when when I heard that this episode was happening, because I remember heading out of that movie thinking or actually I watched it at home. So getting off of my couch, watching that movie, thinking she has great comedic timing. It's subtle, Mm. but interesting. And then, like many, I watched The Queen's Gambit and absolutely loved it this past year. Um, so those are my two brief movie interactions with Anya Taylor-Joy, though I do want to note here that I did um, watch a Hosier music video from, I would say, 2019, Dinner and Diatribes, in which Anya Taylor-Joy starred.
0: Oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah.
1: So a little niche um, niche piece of content there. Wow. Thank you
0: so much for stating your citations. Um, no, I think it's very interesting because Emma is a movie that I feel like Anya could have gotten nominated for an Oscar for. Things happened, it didn't shake out, it's fine. But I'm glad you brought up her comedic timing because it is something that I did not expect of her. Um, now this is speaking as someone who has not seen The Queen's Gambit, but I think this is a good place to start because I want to talk about the cold open and monologue. So, the first thing I kind of noticed about Anya Taylor-Joy in the monologue is that she sounds like Carrie Mulligan to me like their voices Mm. just sounded very similar and I just really really like that she had stage command and what I mean by that is when she like put her hands up to be like everyone just shut up I was like thank you so much because (laughs) I hate so much when the audience like cuts in and they're like woo and they're just like ah stop so I can say my thing and I just love that she was like stop it but you know what? I have to say, I really, really love that she did the last part of her monologue in Spanish because I think a mm-hmm. lot of people don't know that she is self-identified as a white Latina. And I thought that was very awesome. And so I appreciated that. Did you guys have thoughts about the monologue?
2: Yeah. Um. I Okay, so I want to say that Candace and I, neither of us have watched The Queen's Gambit, but we felt like it was necessary to bring on an expert because we care about our audience and we care about bringing you a fact-based podcast mm. um, Lindsay is lending us her expertise um, and cited a longer um, history with enya that i even knew existed i didn't know about the music video situation so thank <laughs> you for bringing that info um i agree with you i think she commanded the stage really well i really didn't know what to expect from her especially because i hadn't seen the queen's gambit Um, and also because a lot of times like just because you're a good actor or actress that doesn't mean that you can translate that into doing a live show um, and specifically a live comedy show Um, I thought she was funny from the bat like she made a joke about her ethnicity being fashion week that that was really funny Mm. Um, I agree with you with in terms of her command of the stage I also noticed that Um, And I was wondering, I'm thinking that this is probably the first time that they've had somebody start the show in a different language. So I thought that was really cool. Mm. It reminded me of like J-Lo, like singing in Spanish at the Biden inauguration. But like this was much better
0: than that. You're right. Anya Taylor-Joy weirdly did not sing. Let's get loud on the steps (laughs) of the U.S. Capitol. So weird. But Lindsay, did you have any thoughts about this?
1: I really liked the monologue. And Hiba, I liked your point that it's different, you know, someone can be a good actor or actress, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it translates to the stage. And I think it's totally different for, you know, one aspect could be drama to comedy, but then also making the jump to not only comedy, but live comedy and live, you know, comedy on a stage. And so I was, despite having seen her in somewhat of a comedic role in Emma, I was still really interested to see how she was going to do and how she was going to handle it i just i think she nailed it i thought it was great it was i loved that she kind of made it her own by introing the show in her own native language i also loved i think my favorite aspect of the monologue was her call out to the fact that the entire audience for the monologue or the entire audience for the taping itself was full and fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved that she called out that energy, and then you could see the camera kind of pan to the audience, mm-hmm. because you could tell that the energy, it was the season finale, you know, it was a full audience, and everyone was there, and everyone was excited. And that really came out in the monologue, and I found that that kind of, that thread of energy and those vibes carried through for the rest of the show. So I liked that she called it out in the beginning, because you wouldn't have gotten the chance to see that had it just been, you know, a regular sketch.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oh, that is a very good point that I keep kind of overlooking. And, you know, maybe that's actually a good place to bring up the cold open, which was very different from cold opens past. This started with AD Bryant, Kate McKinnon, Cecily Strong, and Keenan Thompson just on the stage. Um, and we can talk about those four and specifically what we think will happen to them next season. But I kind of I just have to say two things. Number one, Chris Rock being there to me was hilarious because if I'm being frank, didn't need him. Didn't need yeah, him. Yeah, same. Didn't need him there. Not but you know all. what? I understand. He wanted to open and close the season. Great. Um, And I really loved I mean, like my favorite Picture of all time is just like the cast all saying "live from New York" together. Mm. That to me is always beautiful. Mm. But you know, it kind of made me think: like, do we think next season's opening credits will have the cast members wearing masks?
1: Yeah, I always love how the title credits kind of set the stage for the rest of the season, and I liked that they had the COVID touch in in the pre in this season in the past couple of months. Um, But you're right. Like, will they transition out of that and just say no masks for anyone? We're going to leave it behind. Call it the, you know, the past season and then move on. Or will they try to integrate it? But I don't know. Time will tell. Time moves fast nowadays. I know, it really does. Um, But speaking of moving fast, let's
0: move to those sketches. Um, I actually want to first turn to Hibba. Hibba, what's a sketch that you really love this week? And maybe what is like the favorite sketch that you love this week?
2: Yeah, um, my favorite sketch hands down has to be the Heaven sketch where they Mm -hmm. are kind of like reviewing the prototype for Human Man and the Human Woman team comes in and Mm -hmm. is just like pointing out all these ridiculous things. Um, I thought it was really funny. I thought everybody in it was really good. I think the, the thing that really leveled up the sketch for me was that they kept the main thread and they had one storyline, but they had all these like side storylines that added to it. So for example, um, Melissa Villasenor was playing Zelda, who was like the oddball out on the human Mm -hmm. women team. And she kept saying like ridiculous things. Um, So that like added a layer of hilarity to a sketch that was like already hilarious. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I will say the pest casting probably of the entire season was kyle mooney as like jesus but specifically (laughs) as jesus who like nobody wanted to hang out (laughs) um so that was really perfect and yeah just like also they just i feel like the best comedy is grounded in truth and they asked all these questions that i feel like all of us as human beings ask ourselves and each other about like the design flaws on human man and so Mm. um that was really funny too
0: Mm, yeah, I'm with you. I also really love the sketch. Um, I mean, I was just very impressed because I think this was a very high concept sketch. There's a mm-hmm. lot of like big ideas that you kind of have to like hook onto and just accept as fact and move on from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like funny because I liked Melissa's character as well. I weirdly had a problem with 80s character like bullying and shutting her down because oh, love- yeah. Look, girl boss gas lighting is not cool anymore. Okay. We don't gatekeep in this house. Um, my one small problem aside from that is that Jesus wouldn't actually be in that sketch because Homeboy is a hundred percent god, a hundred percent human, and if human has not been created, how has Jesus been created? That is a fantastic
1: point.
2: <laughs> I thought about that too, but I feel like the caveat there, like, is that If he is a part of God, he could have God could have just like made him first and he could have just been like chilling up there before all the humans were invented. But I don't know. Mm And not that it has to make sense, but I totally (laughs) thought about that as well.
1: (laughs) I love that we are pointing out this plot hole. I like the idea that he's just, you know, waiting for his cue, waiting for his his time to take the stage and he's just he's the guy that and maybe no one wants to talk to him because he's always around and he has nothing Mm -hmm. to do. Despite all of that, I now want to turn to
0: Lindsay. Lindsay, what was your favorite sketch of this episode? So
1: my favorite sketch was toward the end, and it was the NYU Film Studies student panel. Mm. And it was the the sketch basically had AD Bryant and then Anya Taylor-Joy playing two students at NYU, two film students, interviewing a group of castmates from an HBO comedy, I think called Roommates in the City. (laughs) And it was, I loved the sketch for its pacing. I thought that some of the comedy for me came, and it was It was very clear at what point in the sketch it was kind of took the comedic turn and became kind of absurd. Mm-hmm. And as it went, I felt like the time, the pacing picked up and made it funnier. And it wasn't, I thought that Adie and Anya taylor Joy and they were in a previous sketch, and, and I thought that they had great chemistry, so I liked seeing them again. But I also loved the comedic delivery by... Bowen and Yang and Punky Johnson and just all of the people in the playing the actual cast members as they delivered their lines I thought that was hilarious and then it would zoom back to the you know the panel hosts and them asking the questions which were absolutely absurd and so I found myself just laughing throughout that um, in a way that I really really liked. That was my favorite.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the timing, I think, was key in that sketch. The first thing I'm, like, really thinking about is the fact that whoever was doing cue cards on that was probably throwing them at the mm-hmm. wind. Just like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but I think it's funny because by the time we had come to that sketch in the episode, what I was very impressed by is the fact that Anya did not break during this episode at all she was in she was like i'm in i know how to do this i get it's funny but i'm not gonna break because i'm no basic ass hoe and i was like thank you so much for saying that
2: yeah i really like that one too i feel like um more broadly it was a good illustration of how people interview celebrities and people interview like figures in pop culture in general so like if it's like a straight white guy, they'll always ask him like very, very softball questions. But as soon as there's like some marginalized identity thrown into the mix, the interview questions get like impossible. So I loved mm-hmm. that because I was like, this is like the most extreme, hilarious version of that. Because a lot of the times I think when you're reading an interview, you might not catch that. You might be like, oh, of course they're asking like this black woman about race. Like that's just like so normal in our world. Um, so that was good. I, didn't appreciate the fact that pete davidson broke so quickly like, i didn't love it had Thank no you for poker saying that. face and they mm-hmm. cast him as like the heartthrob the breakout heartthrob i think was their wording and i was like mm-hmm. obviously he's like not a breakout heartthrob but I was just like, why can't you keep it together? Like, why aren't you better at this?
0: Yeah, he was really throwing in the towel. And on top of that, I think he was supposed to play, like, a Dylan Sprouse-Cole Sprouse archetype, considering they uh, all went to NYU and, like, got it. you know. Yeah, yeah, Right? And so I'm totally with you on that. And now I kind of want to bring up two musically-themed sketches. Um, the first one for me is Celtic Woman. Um, it's very funny because the sketch is, like, pretty simple in conceit, but I do think it has this vintage SNL-ness to it. I will say this. I am sure someone in the world found their accents offensive, Um, but, you know, I have to say that Sweet Home Alabama cover was kind of funny, (laughs) and I did not realize that Annie Taylor-Joy might be a good singer.
1: Mm-hmm. That was something, I'm okay, I'm glad you brought that up, because there were multiple points during the show in which she did sing, mm-hmm. and a couple of days ago, I want to say within the last week, the most recent trailer for <gasps> last, last Night, Night and in Soho. Soho came out, mm-hmm. in which Anya Taylor-Joy is starring in, it's an Edgar Wright movie, and I didn't pick up on it in the beginning, but the song, or I'm sorry, the trailer is set to a song in the background, And it looked like she was singing the song. Mm -hmm. And so in the past week, I have just learned all about Anya Tara Joy and her singing abilities, partially from that trailer, but then also when she was on Saturday Night Live.
0: Exactly. I actually feel like, because the other sketch that she did sing quite heavily in was pride a Mm -hmm. wonderful digital short um and the vibe i was kind of getting that is that maybe anya pitched herself and was like i would really like to sing in this episode to showcase the fact that in the trailer that is dropping next week i will be singing (laughs) and i just want to be put up for more musical roles and i was like hey girly i'm not gonna fault you for being a triple threat i totally get it um but did you guys have any thoughts on the
1: pride digital short I loved the Pride digital short. I love digital shorts in general only because I find whenever I'm watching them, part of me is just being really entertained and then the other part of me is thinking how in the world did they do this in a week? This is so well produced in most cases, in most cases. Um, and that was a great example. Just the dancing and the singing and the sets and all of the different kind of settings that the, the video took you to from the um, the lesbians in their house, they were hosting brunch to the club and just everywhere. I thought... It was so well produced, and that's going to hook me in, obviously. But it was just a great song. It was a great mm-hmm. song. I really, I really liked it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, I okay. So my measure for if it's a good digital short is like if I would download it on Spotify. Um, I want to say that I was really enta- entertained by this digital short, and I am glad they did something for Pride because it was a season finale, and we're not going to get any June episodes the lyrics were really good it was great storytelling the production was great the singing was bad like the singing like besides call him out call him out like besides Anya, like bowen is not a good singer like i love oh him it, but he just kind of like talks the words um mm-hmm. i did really resonate with the line that he's had which was i don't want to be funny i want to be hot maybe
0: <laughs> like,
2: maybe mm-hmm. when he said that i was like
0: i'm seen Relatable. i'm represented
2: yeah. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the. I also love digital shorts um, and I really enjoyed it. But it wasn't like a bop in the way that like Loco was a bop, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
0: And to be fair, Lil Nas X did make an appearance. Did you like him mm-hmm. in that?
2: I did. OK, so I, I forgot to mention that I love when the musical guest like is somehow integrated into the show. Um, so I thought that was the perfect place to plug him in um, and for him to be a feature. So that was really good. Just everybody else was like, just not a great singer. <laughs> oh
0: my God. I'm <laughs> laughing that you're calling Bo and Yang on autotune, bad singing, but like, you're not wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, we he knows Bowen. he's not a singer. Like, yeah, you we know still you're love right. him regardless. Totally. Yeah. You know what? He has said that on Lost Culture Lisa, so it is fair game. Um, But maybe this is the perfect point to talk about Lil Nas X. Okay i'm gonna say this guys i'm gonna say it when i saw montero the first time on that snl stage um my only thought for like three minutes straight was oh my god lil nal's ex is so hot i am so attracted to him he doesn't want me but i want him agreed agreed it was a very
2: steamy first performance
0: so steamy and like it's funny because actually i don't when i think about like what i loved and remember from that performance i don't really care much about him splitting his pants which was like frankly kind of adorable slash cute i'm thinking about that backup dancer who licked the side of his (coughs) neck that is the point that you can't forget it you can't forget it i didn't know who i wanted to be you know
2: I watched an interview um, where Lil Nas X went on Jimmy Fallon, I think right after his his musical appearance. And apparently one of the dancers in the original dance group got COVID. And so all of the dancers had to quarantine and they had to get a completely new group of dancers that learned that dance in 24 hours. So that's like even more mind blowing to me because somehow these people who like just came to the game fresh like we're able to deliver like a beautiful mesmerizing performance um so yeah even more mind-blowing
1: that's fantastic inspirational Mm -hmm. honestly (laughs) yeah I didn't even know that so in the moment in which Lil Nas X split his pants I would Mm -hmm. just like to call out because it brought it brought me a lot of joy Mm -hmm. the twinkle in his eyes when it (laughs) happened (laughs) was fantastic (laughs) if that Would I ever be on stage on Saturday Night Live? Likely not. If I ever split my pants, just the fear and the paralysis that would come (laughs) over me would I would just stop, I would crawl into a ball and I would somersault off the floor, you know? Mm. When he when his pants split and you just saw like the chaotic gleam in his eyes, I thought that was fantastic. And he handled himself brilliantly. And yeah, I just I thought it was obviously. You know a crazy moment, but it was he's a he's an entertainer it was it was really cool.
0: He is an entertainer, no, you're completely right, and he's very lucky that that specific move was like such a big part of the choreography yeah. like
2: because the crotch grab was such like a normal thing that could have fit into the choreography if it wasn't all over his face, I wouldn't have realized that something went wrong. Um, but I thought it just humanized mm-hmm. him because, like Lindsay said, if I had split my pants on live TV, I would have freaked out. And like, you could see like something happened, but it was like more funny and endearing than anything.
0: I think so. Yeah. No, you're completely right. My hope is that when either slash all three of us somehow end up uh, creating music careers, um, and performing on SNL, maybe the key here, guys, is you split your pants, crawl into armadillo. Just sing with your mic really close to your chest. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but no one can no one can see you, so it just sounds really breathy. But it's like mwah, perfect. But
1: it's moody, not breathy. Mm, mm. Moody. Mm, mm. <laughs> mm.
0: You're completely right. Um, but you know, overall, I have to say this performance really stuck with me to the point where I do think it is actually one of my top three favorite performances this season. My mm. other two would probably be Megan the Stallion. And do a Lipa. I think the other thing I just want to shout him out for is the fact that Lone X's body, woof, he bulked up the way that like Bad Bunny and Jack Harlow definitely also worked out before their performances. And I appreciate that. Um, and I also really appreciate that they played a little bit of the song Whole Lot of Money from Bia, because I love that song. Um, but I think Lunas X totally did his SNL performances correctly, which is you do one big one. It's the first one. It's fiery, big YouTube views. And then you do one like dialed back performance, usually Mm -hmm. in white, um, to try and kind of like show your vocal range. And it's what Cardi B did. Dua did like kind of a version of that. And I think he
1: did really well. And I'm very proud of him. I agree. I think that's, that's a great take that... You know, you hit it out of the park with the first one, and then you just expand your range in the second. I I loved both of the performances. I thought they were great. So now it is time
0: for, weirdly, a segment that I really like this week, Weekend Update. Hibba, what did you think of Weekend Update? Yeah,
2: um, there's so much to talk about with Weekend Update. The first thing I'll highlight is the joke exchange. So every mm-hmm. season finale, Colin and Michael write each other jokes and are not allowed to see them before going on air. Those are always really hilarious and they were especially hilarious this year. Um so that was really funny. I do wonder how they do the dress rehearsal show with those, but maybe they just don't do that part or maybe they have like a different set. I would love mm-hmm. for somebody to answer that question if you know the
0: answer. I will text them. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll text okay, Michael Okay, great.
2: great, great, great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was really funny. Um, the other thing I really loved was Cecily um, as Janine Pirro and her mm-hmm. particularly just like singing my way in a giant like glass thing of wine and splashing wine everywhere and like throwing it back at Colin. Um, I thought that was really funny. I also thought they must not have rehearsed that because, or else Colin would have <laughs> been soaking wet. <what? laughs> um, so part of me feels like Cecily just improved there. Um, the last thing with Weekend Update was like Pete Davidson's, um, like cameo. He talked about Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, I thought he did like a solid like spiel that he usually does, but I. He said something that stuck with me, which I think we're going to talk a little bit about this later, but he said it's been an honor to grow up in front of you guys, and I really didn't think he was leaving, like, that this would be his last season, but I feel like because he said that, it, like, raised some alarms for me, like, oh my god, is he actually leaving? Like, why is he saying that? Um, so yeah, but overall, pretty solid weekend update, the guest appearances were good, and the joke exchange tradition, um, was very heartwarming, I would say.
1: Yeah, I loved the Cecily Strong as Janine Pirro in this episode. HIPAA, for the point that you mentioned about, you know, what is dress rehearsal and, and what is not, or what is rehearsed and what is not. And I thought, especially, you know, so she started out at the desk and she was sloshing her drink everywhere and kind of hitting Colin and everyone was laughing. And then she starts singing and kind of, you know, exits the desk and comes to the front of the stage and just gets a huge glass and fills her glass with all of this, you know, liquid. And you kind of look to the back and Colin Jost is just minding his own business and kind of looking at Michael Che. And she just tosses it with mm-hmm. a vengeance behind mm-hmm. her, like over her shoulder and n- nails him so <laughs> accurately. It was, it was fantastic. I laughed so much. I thought that that sketch was great. I, I loved the Pete Davidson. I feel like we've seen him multiple times over the years, taking on the desk as himself on Weekend Update. And there was just something about this where he seemed to be nailing every single joke. He was there, people were laughing, and it just, it felt really right. Um, and so I am, I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on, on Pete Davidson in general. But overall, I thought that this was a great Weekend Update, especially a season finale Weekend Update.
0: Yeah, it's like very funny because I am incredibly impressed by how Cecily's like aim game is so strong. It literally kind of it felt like when people throw a basketball over their shoulder and it makes it, and they're just kind of like shrug. (laughs) But she did it twice, which I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Um, No, I mean this was an incredibly packed weekend update because it kind of created more questions than answers. I mean, I'll say this. I think Cecily definitely made a farewell through this. Mm-hmm. Very fitting because not only was she a Weekend Update anchor at one point, but like, you know, Jeannie Pirro, let's be honest, haven't heard her name in a very long time. It's a very yeah. like odd person to bring up out of nowhere. So I think she was just very like, look, I don't want a huge goodbye party. Let me do this. But no, let's talk about Pete Davidson. So I am going to say that because that line, it's been an honor to grow up in front of you guys had such little relevance to the thing he had said before that. I think that was his send-off. To me, that was very clear. It's like very funny because there was someone who wrote about, you know, this idea of like who's leaving, who's staying next season. And they very openly were just like, Pete Davidson is not a good sketch performer. And I agree with that. Yeah. He is not a good sketch performer. Mm-hmm. Frankly, it is crazy that he has been here for seven years, especially in a format that frankly He's just not very, like, fitting for. But, you know, the way that he has grown on Weekend Update is actually very interesting. Like, he used to be incredibly shy and, like, but then he, like, curated his craft and he, like, actually used it to say important things. I'm thinking about the one where he was with John Mullaney. Like, there's just, he grew a lot at that desk. And I think, to me, that was such a clear indication of him leaving. Um, I'm not going to lie. I also got a weird sense that maybe this was Colin Jose's last episode. But no, I don't f- he's I know, head I know. I know. I have this weird feeling that he is well, here's what I'll say. Is it because his that...
2: memoir was super successful and flying off the shelves?
0: Yes. Um. No. I think <laughs> he's it's going because... on a book tour. Is that it? You know what? He is taking his book tour that was released a year ago, and he is taking it on the road in Canada. Um, Catch him in your
1: local city. Catch at him in your indie local indie bookstore this fall.
0: Your <laughs> local Barnes and Noble's indie bookstore. Um. The thing is, I've kind of backed away from that theory because I feel like every Weekend Update anchor does kind of get a huge send off like Seth Meyers did and Amy and Tina. But I could also see a world unto which Colin backs off the Weekend desk, stays as head writer. But I don't know. Mm. I don't want to plot his LinkedIn resume. But what do you guys think about him or Pete or all of those leaves, you know?
1: I take your point about him leaving. I couldn't imagine who would replace him. Yeah. Mm. And I maybe think... maybe that decision isn't to be made right now. But yeah, I that shocked me when you said that. I did not pick up on Colin Jost leaving. And I feel maybe mainly because him and Michael Che are head writers. But hey, you got to leave someday.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the people that I had pinned to leave are... Okay, well, first of all, I think colin wouldn't leave unless he had something bigger and better to do like snl i feel like is such his comfort zone and he really like climbed through the rinks and um i think like the next thing for like straight white guy comedians like him is to host a late night show and seeing as jimmy fallon oh. and seth myers aren't leaving anytime soon i don't see that pathway opening up for him so i don't think he's leaving unless he like really has some other stuff that he's working on that we just don't know about I do think um, Cecily might be leaving. I think Kate McKinnon is definitely, this is her last season. Um, I'm really not sure about Pete. I feel like he has grown a lot, but again, I don't know what else he would rather be doing. Um, So that's a question mark for me. I really strongly feel that Kenyon is going to be the next Lauren Michaels, so I don't think he's leaving anytime (laughs) soon. That's my theory, but people have opinions against that. That's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, no, I'm glad you kind of brought up and like debunked the Colin thing too, because you're right. I think the way that Lauren sees Colin is almost as, is almost like he is the next Seth Meyers a little bit, Mm -hmm. but like Jimmy Fallon just renewed his contract for five years. He's not moving. Therefore, Seth can't move anywhere. Therefore, there yeah. is no new show. Although, in another world, could Colin Jost host the Ellen DeGeneres show? Let's have that conversation. <laughs> Colin Jost on daytime television. Man, that would be what a world that would be. I know, yeah, and, and, that... and 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 like of the DJ. You know how Ellen has like a DJ. It's a, it's yeah. Scarlett. It's Scarlett Johansson. That's, <laughs> That's right. wild. I know, but unfortunately, that gig has unfortunately been taken off the career portal because Kelly Clarkson is apparently filling in for Mm. E-Dedge. I align with you, Hibba, on a few people. I feel strongly that Kate, Pete, and Cecily are leaving. I think that Aidy and Keenan, who kind of in that first half kind of had me, I think they're staying. Um, Mainly because even though Shrill is over, I don't think Aidy has like another show planned, and so I think she's going to stay another season at least. Keenan... You know, his show on NBC did get picked up for a second season, but I feel like he's going to film it over the summer and then just, like, come back in the fall. Everything will be fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I think about Pete the main reason why I think he's leaving is because he has two big roles coming up. One of them he has filmed at Suicide Squad, but that's like a whole like machine behind him that he's going to do press for or whatever. And then he is tapped to be in this Joey Ramone biopic. And I kind of feel like what happened behind the scenes of the season is that Pete probably saw SNL the way that like you're thinking of a 2 hib of, like, what else can I do? I literally work here. No one wants me, blah, 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 blah. And then when he started getting offers he did not expect, he was like, oh, I can have a life post-SNL? Like, I can have a career post-SNL? And now he's kind of like, all right, I think it's time for me to lift, take off, and keep dating my Bridgerton girlfriend.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's a little bit all over the place. Also, he he does – you're right, because he is not good at sketches – But his niche is, like, his little stand-up commentary things on Weekend Update and then also all of the digital sketches that have some kind of rap in them. Um, Mm, So, uh I don't know. I'm really divided on him because I feel like there is a world where he could just stay and keep doing what he's good at. And now he's, like, one of the OG cast members, so he'll get, like, cast in more things. I don't feel like he has enough to stand on his own two feet but also he won't find that out until he actually does it he could also leave and come back like Don Mulaney's story of like I was there for five years and then I kept getting pulled back in I could see a world where like he's not officially a cast member but he's just like still adjacent to that world and continues to come back to
0: yeah and I think just to like really pull on my research hat this whole conversation kind of reminded me of you know past big people who've left um you know when Bill Hader left SNL he only announced it like four days before the finale of season 38 and this is like May of 2013 and then the year before Andy Samberg who like had been like a very big presence on SNL. He was their digital short guy. He confirmed he was leaving like weeks after the season finale in 2012. So there are some people who will probably like kind of do a little small news drop in the summer, which doesn't like make us feel any better. But then I thought of the parallel opposite, which is season finale 2012, Kristen Wiig she leaves and she has this huge huge farewell sketch at the end where like Mick Jagger dances with her and they pull out the red carpet and everyone like cries with her and Jason Sudeikis like can't look at the camera like this whole thing and this very touching farewell and it's funny because like there are to me now like two ways to leave SNL you either make a big splash which probably describes Cecily or you just kind of like email the new york times and that's it. Um but it's like also funny because in 2012 when Kristen left, she straight up was like nominated for a screenplay Oscar that year for Bridesmaids. And hot take, I just no shade, but I just feel like no Oscar nominee should ever be an SNL cast member. Like those two things yeah. like cannot happen concurrently. Um but in terms of the people that we've brought up this time around, NBC Universal has told Deadline that they are going to make final contract renewals at the end of this summer. So we probably will not hear about any official cast departures until then. But my last thing is that the only benefit of Pete Davidson leaving SNL is that Ariana Grande can finally come back and sing positions, <laughs> which I need, which I need, and I need to hear her married phase, and I need to hear her do impressions. You think
2: she's banned from the show because he's there? I don't think that's a rule. It's not his entire show. I don't know. I don't feel like he owns us and <laughs> Maybe he walks around thinking he does, but... It would be awkward. I agree with you. It might be awkward. She might she might say no, but I feel like that wouldn't stop them from asking
0: her. Mm-hmm. The vibe I'm getting from you, Hibba, is that when Pete leaves SNL that maybe your crush on him will wane. Yeah, is that true? Yeah,
2: maybe that's the thing that I'm afraid of, actually. Okay, so backstory <laughs> for Lindsay. I have, like, a love-hate relationship with Pete. Like, I admire him. I think that he has grown a lot. I appreciate his sense of humor. He's, like, so ridiculous he's not actually hot which it makes it funny to have a celebrity Mm. crush on him because that's Mm. not why i have a celebrity crush on him um but he's just so endearing i feel and um that i don't know i feel like him attached to snl is why i like him like i don't really care about whatever movies he's about to be in and i won't have a way of keeping up with him if he leaves yeah
1: that's a great point i feel like saturday night live kind of does for those who you wouldn't you know you wouldn't latch on to immediately but you see them grow with the show and then they're in a self-deprecating skit and you're like oh that was kind of funny and some years later you're like wow do i love this person yeah perhaps
2: yep that was a good encapsulation of our relationship
1: (laughs) well hey i validate that that's fair you know i think i think your thoughts are spot on i think the only two that i would that i will verbally verbally agree with on because hey i'm a cautious girl so who Mm -hmm. knows i i agree that i think pete will leave and i think that cecily will leave pete Mm -hmm. because of the comment that we alluded to and then cecily just because of that iconic send-off
0: can you Mm -hmm. even come
1: back after that no i'm kidding she could always come back (laughs) man Um, but those would be the two those would be the two
0: Yeah, you're right. And one wild card I want to throw into this conversation. I would keep an eye out on Beck Bennett. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think he might be leaving. And my only reason for saying this is because me, an avid watch-through-the-credits quarrel Homeboy was crying a lot during those credits. And, I mean, the thing is, Kate McKinnon also cried during the opening monologue, which to me, like, indicated some type of, like, self-departure. But... I think Beck Bennett is doing a quiet exit, and I'm curious to see if I'm right next
1: season. Can I ask a follow-up question? Mm. If Beck Bennett leaves, does Kyle Mooney go with him? I see them as joined at the hip. Would one leave without
0: the other? The thing is, you ask a good question, Lindsay, because I mean, like, when Andy Samberg left, the entire Lonely Island left with him. They were out the door. Out the door. They were out the door to make hot rod, and so... You ask a good... I mean, you know, if there is no Kyle Mooney, what will we cut for time? What will we cut for time? (laughs) You know? That feels Hmm.
2: like the best logic puzzle. You know, like those logic classes. (laughs) If there is no Kyle Mooney, what will we cut for time? (laughs) And they're all golden.
1: They're all so good in their own very Kyle Mooney way. Exactly. Exactly. It's just that they would thrive more
0: on like a VHS player. Anyway, um, so <laughs> now it is time for that part of the episode where we rate how we feel about this episode. And I'm going to turn it to our guest, Lindsay. How would you rate this episode of SNL?
1: So overall, I thought it was a great season finale. It was varied. The musical guest was spot on. Weekend Update was great. So my rating comes pretty highly. And the metric for my rating is from one of my favorite offbeat skits, which was Celtic Woman, featuring my favorite duo of dudes on the show, whose comedy I can't explain, but somehow I gravitate toward. That would be Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett. Mm -hmm. So I give this episode 8 out of 10 horny ponytail dudes who play 100 giant drums.
2: (laughs) That was so well done. Great job. That was beautiful. Thank you.
1: That was beautiful. Thank you.
0: All right, Hibba, what about you?
2: I agree with Lindsay. I will rate this episode 8 out of 10 split pants. Mm. Um, I felt like it was a really solid season finale. I think for me, what makes or breaks it is really the host and how they set the tone and what kind of energy they bring um, to the show. So I think... Uh Anya did great just being really charismatic and really being down for everything and I felt like she delivered weekend update I loved and just like the sentimentality around it possibly being the last season for a few folks um I really enjoyed it and I did watch it more than once I have to say
0: wow That's really nice of you. Um, Lauren appreciates you putting that money directly into his Bank of America account. I am going to round out this Olympic trial because I, too, shall rate this episode 8 out of 10 backup dancers licking Lil Nas X's neck during Montero. Because that is how many times I watched that clip over (laughs) and over again. I agree with Heba. I'll say this. I didn't have high expectations for this episode because I was just kind of like, I don't know if a drama prestige actor can pull this off completely. But you know what? I have to say, Anya Taylor-Joy is someone who really came in, was very down for a lot of stuff, and all of her sketches were frankly, like, baseline fine. Like, they were baseline well-written. Lil Nas X really took it up above there, which makes this pairing fantastic, This is our last episode for a while, but thank you to everyone who's hopped on board our alien spaceship called this podcast. Um, I want to thank Lindsay Heiser for coming on to give us her expert takes. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Uh,
1: It was an honor. Thank you. Thank you for doing the good work. I'm glad that this podcast exists. (laughs) You know, someone (laughs) needed to do
0: it. Someone needed to insert their damn mouth into the word of SNL and whether it's good. And lastly, I want to thank Heba for being the Bowen to my ego. You know, just really standing there with me, calling me king when I needed it, calling me out as a king when I needed it, um, and sticking with me through this pod. Thank you, thank you, Heba.
2: Oh my God, you y'all can't see me because this is a podcast, but I'm tearing up right now. Um, it's been really lovely being part of this dynamic duo um i'm honored and i'm really excited that we got to share our opinions that normally we would just text back and forth to each other with everyone
0: it's been an honor to grow up in front of you guys all right we will see you next season Bye. bye